You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And good morning once again. If you're just joining us, Nick Medelsky, Listener Relationship Coordinator down here in southern Minnesota. Wild and wonderful. <laughs> Told you I going to try and come up with another W adjective. Uh, Wasika, Minnesota, uh, talking to you this morning about uh, a lot of wonderful things. We talked about uh, pregnancy at the Women's Care Center in Bismarck, as well as Christian Adoption Services, and those things kind of fit nicely together. And uh, this second hour of the program, we're going to be talking about St. Luke and also about um, a special event coming up that uh, we'll talk about later in the second half of the hour. But the first half of the hour, we'll be speaking with uh, Monsignor Charles Mangan of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. He's the director of the Office of the Marian Apostolate, which sounds super cool. And he also has a doctorate in Mariology. So no surprise he's going to be talking to us about the Blessed Mother, uh, especially on today. It's a very important feast day in the church, uh, both east and west. Uh, I don't know if... Uh, uh, you may or may not know this, but uh, the other um, rites in the Catholic Church have we have uh, different, slightly different calendars. Uh, so we might celebrate saints on different days or different saints um, entirely. But today the stars align and our calendars align, and uh, both in the uh, the Byzantine churches as well as the uh, Roman Catholic churches, we celebrate Saint Luke today, one of the apostles, an evangelist, uh, because he wrote one of the, the Gospels, as well as a physician. Uh, but I'm not going to steal all of Monsignor's thunder. I'll let him tell us even more about Saint Luke. So welcome this morning, Monsignor. Thank you. Hello, how are you today? Awesome, awesome. Um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself who might not be uh, familiar with you? Yes, I'm a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And I'm currently here in Emmitsburg, Maryland, teaching at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. Uh, I teach theology, as well as I'm a spiritual director for a number of the seminarians. Um, and so it's great to be able to speak with you on the Peace of St. Luke. Awesome, awesome. So uh, how did uh, how did sort of that, that, that journey take place from being a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls to teaching out there in Maryland? You know, whenever there comes to be a, an assignment outside the diocese, it always goes from one bishop to another. So in my case, the Archbishop of Baltimore asked my Bishop of Sioux Falls uh, to release me for service here at the seminary. So that's how that occurred earlier this year. Oh, so, th- so this is still uh, fairly fairly recent, then? Yes, I just I got here about three months ago, and uh, I think we're starting our sixth or seventh a week of classes. Wow, wow. Uh, so uh, what, what courses are you teaching there? This semester I'm teaching creation and the human person, so we'll look at what we call the first things, creation, as well as the dignity and splendor of the human person, and we look a lot at uh, St. John Paul II's writings on the, the dignity and splendor of the human person. And the second class I teach is ecclesiology and mariology. Ecclesiology is the study of the Church, Mariology is the study of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so I've got two great closed courses. Next semester I'm looking already at an elective on Our Lady, as well as the class on the Blessed Eucharist, 
that will be taught to the deacons who are preparing for ordination, and then I get to team teach a course on the anointing of the sick and the sacrament of penance. Awesome, awesome. Those sound like wonderful, wonderful courses, and I like that pairing of ecclesiology and Mariology because we find a lot of uh, parallels there between the Blessed Mother and the Church. Uh, so that's that's really cool. Yes, and you know, with uh, it's very interesting uh, discussion. Uh, over the years, Mariology in a lot of the seminaries was its own course, which makes good sense. But I think now what's happened uh, on a practical level because of so much in the curriculum, a lot of places have been pairing ecclesiology and Mariology, uh, which is a beautiful thing. It's true, each could have its own course, but uh, there is, as you say, a marvelous connection between both of them. Absolutely. If you're just joining us uh, now on Real Presence Live, Nick Medelsky speaking with Monsignor Charles Mangan, who is a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, uh, but teaching out in Maryland in Emmitsburg at Mount St. Mary's. Is that correct? That's right, Mount St. Mary's. Yes, it's the <laughs> okay. second, second oldest Catholic college in the United States after Georgetown University in Washington. That's that's your fun uh, Catholic factoid of the day. So if, uh, yes. if you want to want to yes. quiz people later on, you can you can ask them what the two oldest Catholic institutions of higher learning are in the United States. Good uh, so uh, we were talking about Mariology, and uh, it makes sense today uh, because today is the feast of Saint Luke. Um, so uh, we'll talk in a second about why that specifically makes sense in the context of St. Luke's Gospel. Uh, but before we get there, can you tell us a little bit about St. Luke? What we know about St. Luke is that, of course, he is one of the evangelists. Um, namely, he has written for us the uh, beautiful Gospel uh, that bears his name. He's also been uh, known for centuries as the writer of the Acts of the Apostles. So together we have in the uh, New Testament two great, important works, uh, which we are um, very happy to say belong to St. Luke. Well, then we also know uh, through tradition that St. Luke was known to be a physician, uh, one who healed the body uh, with God's help. But of course, in his Gospel, so much emphasis is given on the healing of the soul, uh, the idea that Christ always comes to heal, and he always comes to heal the soul, sometimes the body, but always the soul. Uh, we also know that St. Luke was not one of the original apostles, uh, but certainly uh, was very close in adhering to Jesus and the Gospel. So he is, for us, a tremendous example of faith. And there's also a tradition that he, he painted various icons of the Blessed Mother, right? Yes. As a matter of fact, um, this is a very fascinating subject, is uh, St. Luke's painter. Um, and tradition tells us, and I might say here, tradition with a small t. It's not right, necessarily right. <laughs> the apostolic tradition of the Church, uh, which right. is on par with Scripture. But uh, certainly there are many traditions saying that St. Luke did paint, um, and that he often painted Our Lady, uh, which makes great sense given uh, he offers to us, so, to us so much about Our Lady in his Gospel. 
Absolutely. Uh, being of uh, Polish descent, uh, that's always the tradition we heard is that that great icon, Our Lady of Częstochowa, was one that was painted by St. Luke. And since then, uh, there have been, been other ones I've run across that say, oh yeah, this was one was painted by St. Luke too, and this one too. So it's kind that's of great. interesting. you know. And, and like you said, you know, it's, it's a small tea tradition. It, it may or may not be entirely 100% historically uh, accurate or anything like that, but it is kind of an interesting um, an interesting part of the tradition uh, to share. Yes. So. yes, and these stories started so early and have spread all over the place that one almost gets the idea that there is a truth there um, and uh, that there is something at least for us to consider. Absolutely, absolutely. If you're just joining us this morning, uh, Nick Medelsky speaking with Monsignor Charles Manigan of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And we are just talking about, uh, you kind of mentioned and teased a little bit uh, there, that uh, St. Luke's gives us a lot of information about the Blessed Mother. And uh, his gospel is probably, is often thought of as the Mary gospel, right? Uh, the gospel that tells us the most about the Blessed Mother. Um, why, why is that? Well, if we look at the first two chapters of St. Luke's Gospel, which we call the infancy narratives, uh, we have displayed for us really the beginning of salvation from Christ onward, and Mary has a unique and very significant role in that. So if you look at those two first chapters, you will see the five joyful mysteries of the Rosary. Uh, the, The mysteries behind the mystery, so to speak, are all unfurled and laid out for us. So St. Luke has given special attention to Mary's role in bringing forth Christ. Absolutely. It's a, you know, each of the Gospels has kind of its um, specialty, I guess you could say, you know. Um, And that's kind of, people may wonder why we have four Gospels in the canon of Scripture, but definitely each one has a different sort of, each uh, evangelist has sort of a different um, emphasis that they try and sort of uh, uh, emphasize, right, in telling the life of yeah. Christ. Yes. St. Luke has sometimes, uh, his gospel sometimes is called the gospel of the poor. Um, and with that, not only are we speaking here about material poor, but we're speaking about spiritually poor and how all of us are in need of the Lord. So if we say Luke is about speaking to the poor, uh, conveying the message of Christ to the poor, what we're really speaking about is mercy, the virtue of mercy. And we see that in full force in all the Gospels, but St. Luke has a special way, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in weaving that message for us. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's... it's uh great uh not i guess now we're several years removed uh, from the year of mercy uh but that's still been very much a a theme of pope francis's pontificate um so kind of kind of uh beautiful to read the gospel of luke and to read that like you said not just the materially poor but also the spiritually poor and uh you know it it's it's i i I sort of like that the first time someone laid that out for me, that the, the different Gospels have sort of different emphasis, so you kind of know. Um, of course, reading any of the Gospels is a beautiful practice, but kind of knowing uh, 
where the gospel writer is coming from uh, helps you to, uh, to, to zero in a little bit more on the message sometimes, I find. Yes. Well, and, you know, if you look at the very beginning of St. Luke's Gospel, he tells us that his task is to, after having investigated everything, is to write it down in an orderly sequence. And so, with that in mind, he's very attuned to the fact that he's trying to be very diligent and very accurate in displaying who Christ is and who and what is the mission of Christ. And once again, we come to the poor, we come to mercy, we come to Christ's overflowing love and kindness for all of us. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, uh, if you're just tuned in, uh, Monsignor Charles Manigan with us on the phone, uh, Mangan, sorry, on the phone with us, uh, talking about St. Luke on his feast day and St. Luke's Gospel. And of course, as uh, Monsignor is, uh, has a doctorate in Mariology, we'll be uh, talking more about the Blessed Mother when we come back from the break. Ah, I, can't. <laughs> I almost made it to the break without choking on a word, but did not quite. Uh, stick with us here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, contact lenses, glasses, and vision therapy services. Our specialized vision therapy program works to improve how the eyes work together as a team. We work with our patients to improve reading difficulties, lazy eyes, eye turns, and focusing problems, which can be detrimental to performance in the classroom and on the job. You can learn more about our mission at Lumen.Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. and chuck the core. We skin an avocado and throw the pit. We peel an orange or break open a banana and toss the skins. What do these things share in common? Their classification. They are fruit. We identify their valuable parts and respond accordingly. What about the fruit in Psalm 127.3? Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Every single molecule of the fruit of the womb is valuable, irreplaceable. Not one part of it is to be thrown away. Written by Alison Updahl. Real Presence Radio is available on Alexa-enabled devices, including Amazon Echo, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To enable the skill, just say, Alexa, enable Real Presence Radio. To listen, say something like, Alexa, open Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play. To which you can respond, play Sioux Falls, or play AM970, or play WWEN. From there, you can use commands like play, pause, and stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere on Alexa-enabled devices. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back, Real Presence Live listeners. 
Nick Medelski on the phone right now with Monsignor Charles Mangan of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, who's currently teaching at Mount St. Mary University out there in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And we're talking about uh, who else but uh, St. Luke on his feast day and St. Luke's Gospel, which naturally takes us back to our Blessed Mother. Uh, speaking about St. Luke's Gospel, probably one of the uh, the most often um, prayed uh, sections of St. Luke's Gospel is the Magnificat, right? That's a, a prayer that priests and deacons and, and lay people around the world pray as part of evening prayer, Vespers, every night. Um, so would you tell us a little bit about uh, the Magnificat? Sure, Nick. The Magnificat is sometimes called the Gospel Canticle of Mary. Uh, it's in St. Luke's Gospel, Chapter 1, and begins with verse 46. So just to set the stage, um, our Blessed Mother has already received the word uh, that she would bear Jesus Christ, uh, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, become man. And after she said her fiat, let it be done as you say, she then went to Elizabeth, and we're told in verse 39 of St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, that Mary set out in haste and traveled to the hill country to a town of Judah. But once she arrived, she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted her kinswoman, Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant, who was St. John the Baptist, leaped in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and cried out to Mary and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then Elizabeth questions, and how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And she concludes her part by saying, For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant John the Baptist in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you, Mary, who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Our Lady then goes into this marvelous hymn of praise and thanks called the Magnificat. Magnificat is the first Latin phrase from this gospel canticle, my soul magnifies, my soul magnifies, or my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And Mary continues uh, for a number of verses, this hymn, which, as I said before, is really a hymn of praise and a hymn of thanks. And at both the beginning of the Magnificat and end, Mary refers to God's mercy, God's incredible, rich, and lavish, liberal mercy to his people that Mary herself has received and which the people of Israel have, re have also received. I think, Nick, this is very crucial because, as we know, mercy is a virtue. The Almighty God extends his compassionate heart to us. And now we have the chance to be grateful and to offer in return to him our own offering of self, who we might call our self-donation. We give ourselves back to the Lord in gratitude and thanks for his mercy. So Our Lady sings this Magnificat, and we chant or recite it, during Vespers, or evening prayer, we sometimes call it, every evening. The Church has this in the Liturgy of the Hours during evening prayer, which is also called Vespers. 
And the Magnificat makes up a very important part of this prayer of the Church. Uh, Mary praises God, she thanks God, and at the beginning and at the end, there's special reference to the mercy of God, which extended to Mary, which extended to the people of Israel, and now which extends to us. Absolutely. And I always thought it was a a, a beautiful uh, place to place it uh, during Vespers, you know, kind of at the end of the day. Yes. Yes, I think, again, because the Church is praising, the Church is thanking, and the Church is remembering the mercy of the Lord. Uh, and we need this, especially as we enter into the evening hours. There's something about darkness that can contribute to our fear, the unknowing, what's in the future, we don't know. And the Church is right there as a good mother. Mary is right there as a good mother, helping us to be calm, to be peaceful, and to be grateful. Yeah, I, I always think, uh, uh, I always meditate on that phrase, all generations shall call me blessed. Um, and realizing that it doesn't only apply to the to the Blessed Mother, uh, but that to think of all the people who didn't know Christ, uh, who came before us, who think of us now, right, as blessed, uh, because we do know Christ. Uh, so I always find that a, a really interesting part of that. I think there's there's so many phrases in the Magnificat that uh, we can meditate on, that it's really such a profound uh, prayer given to us by the Blessed Mother through St. Luke. Yes. It, I mean, it's a it's a companion for us as we make this pilgrimage to heaven. It really is. Uh, it, it helps us reflect again on this overarching mercy from God to us, how needy we are and how grateful we are for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, back to the... Uh larger, the, the the rest, I guess you could say, of the Gospel of St. Luke. Uh, why would you encourage our listeners to uh, to read St. Luke's Gospel uh, in particular? The first reason, of course, with every book of Holy Scripture, it's inspired by God. So we have in the Bible the truth, the Word of God, the splendid Word of God, which is there in adoration of God and which is for our own help in our pilgrimage to heaven. That would be the first reason. When it comes to St. Luke's Gospel, secondly, I would encourage that it be read because St. Luke is this privileged witness of the witnesses. And by that I mean, even though, as far as we know, he did not know Jesus in his life, uh, nevertheless, he knew the witnesses of Jesus, and he investigated these stories he investigated the life of Christ. He remains for us a true witness of the witnesses. And he's a he's a true word. He's a hopeful word, and that's why we encourage that. Thirdly, I think by reading St. Luke's Gospel, especially chapters 1 and 2, we really do get an insight into this Miriam of Nazareth, this Mary of Nazareth, whom we know to be our mother in heaven. Uh, Luke just puts forth, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so much incredible and enduring information about her that not only informs us, but also inspires us. Um, 
That's why I would say St. Luke's Gospel deserves our attention and a careful reading. And I think that's a great um, insight into into the early church as well and how much they revered Mary, right? That St. Luke takes the time to really talk about Mary specifically uh, at the start of his Gospel. Yes, and, and you know, um, although the question of when this Gospel is dated, just like the other uh, Gospels, there's been a lot of back and forth over the years, but certainly... I mean, this is a very early period. Uh, this is still only the first century. And um, as a result, you know, this is so close to the time of Jesus and Mary. It's accurate information, and it also tells us something about how Christ has been adored for so long and how Mary has been venerated and honored for so long. Absolutely, and that that distinction there, right, between adore and venerate. Uh, you can tell you're a Mariologist to use the, <laughs> the correct terms there, right? <laughs> well, but you know, Nick, I have to point out that St. John Henry Newman, whom, whose feast day we just had last week, mm-hmm. uh, in the 19th century in England, uh, interestingly, he used the word worship as it was then used, and he talked about Mary being worshipped. Ah. Now, today... Today, for 21st century Americans, um, the notion of worship is to be for God only. But I think what this does for me, it reminds me how words and the meaning of words can change over the years. Mm. Uh, what, what John Henry Newman was talking about is Marian veneration, Marian devotion. But he used the word in the way, the word adoration, worship, as it was then used. Ah. Today, we use it in a different way, but I guess as long as we understand, you know, that God is the recipient of what we call Latria, which is the highest worship, mm-hmm. and our Blessed Lady is the recipient recipient of what we call Hyperdulia, which is veneration due to her alone, and then the saints and angels have what we call Dulia, which is also a veneration and an honor shown to them. Absolutely, those those uh, Greek terms that the the early church hammered out for us, right uh, in the in the early ecumenical councils, hammered those out. Uh, those correct terms, and uh, we still have them. Yeah. So even though some of the English may change over time, we have those those concrete Greek terms uh, from from hundreds of years ago to look back to to kind of explain the distinction better to people. Um, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Monsignor. Uh, this has been a wonderful welcome. conversation. God bless and Mary keep you, St. Joseph and St. Luke protect you. And actually, uh, I guess I should ask, uh, before we let you go, if you'd offer us your, your blessing. I happily would commending you to the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy, to St. Joseph, to St. Luke, and all the angels and saints. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Monsignor. Uh, Stick with us here. Stick with us here on Real Presence Live. After the break, we're going to talk about a very important event coming up uh, for children and teens who have lost a loved one uh, through death. So stick with us through the break. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 